Hey everyone, this is Matt Kamen, your host for Nonprofit on the Rocks and co-founder of Envision Consulting, which is a national nonprofit consulting company doing recruiting and strategy for nonprofits across the country. And with us as always is Ashley Watterson, our producer for the amazing show that we have lined up for you. How are you doing, Ashley? I'm living my best life, Matt. It's summer. Are you? How are you living your best life? You're a mom. There's no way that's possible. <laughs> Are you kidding? Not having to go to battle with my eight-year-old over homework every night? That is summer vacation right there. The rest of it is just gravy. I have to tell you that I'm a little bit jealous of your life because now that you are so bougie and you have a house in Lake Arrowhead, all you post on your Instagram is just you in the water and your kid in the water and your husband in the water and just away on vacation. Not fair. Well, you're such a liar because... First of all, you don't have a kid. So ergo, your life already is enviable. Mm -hmm. And also let's talk about your Instagram feed and like you and your husband taking weekend trips. Like, hey, we just decided last minute to get on a cruise and go to Mexico. So I think people have probably turned us off by now because we're just like patting each other on the back. But still, I think if anyone's to be envied, it's you. Can I tell you a secret that no one's listening to? Yes. Just between the two of us girls? Just between us girls, yes. So we took another weekend trip to Mexico and I didn't post it on Instagram because I didn't want to deal with the BS that people were going to say to me. <laughs> okay, so now that you've said it on the podcast, are people allowed to give you crap about it? I hope that people give me shit about it, but what that will mean to me is that people are listening to this show and, and, and that's all I care about, Ashley. So I'll keep saying controversial stuff as much as I possibly can so that we can get people to listen to this show. You just keep bringing the controversy, man. I will keep bringing the controversy. That is my goal. So it is summer coming up. You know that we're halfway through season four of this show, and I don't know how that's possible. It does seem rather insane. I don't know. Is time going faster? Time is going faster and I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't like it either. But it is exciting. We've had just a great lineup of guests in season four. What do you think, Ashley, we're going to do for season five? How are we going to like liven up this show? Because we've lost our listener. It's definitely something we need to think about. Uh, we need to maybe infuse like some reality programming. Right? Because isn't that kind of all the rage? We're using YouTube now. How can we utilize some sort of reality TV format with our podcasts just to engage our listener base? Should we do like the, the real nonprofit housewives of like, I don't know, the real nonprofit house husbands? Ooh, or it could just be like the bachelors of nonprofit. Mm. <gasps> What about the bachelors of nonprofits take on the house husbands of nonprofits? <laughs> I, why not? I think there are so many directions that we can go with this. I mean, nonprofit really lends itself to the reality format. A hundred percent. I feel like dealing with nonprofit, you know, crap every day is absolutely something that people are going to want to watch. So Ashley, here's how we're going to know if anybody's listening to us anymore, or we're just talking into the internet ether. Is that the word? What's the yeah. word? No, that's it. The internet ether. And that's a different thing than the ethernet. Did I make up the word ethernet? That's a thing, right? I still don't know how to turn on Zoom. I don't know. You're also the one who thinks it's a TikTok station. So <laughs> I mean, 
so the wrong person to be asking about the history of the internet and technology. Yeah, so here's what I want. Here's what I want, Ashley. I want all of our listener to go into that nonprofit on the rocks in LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter account. And I want you to say, hey, here are some ideas for season five. And maybe it's, we're going to fire both of you and start over. I don't know. But whatever your ideas are, season five is coming up in five episodes. And we really, you know. We need some ideas. We do. What we need is some gimmicks. I also would just love to know, just out of curiosity, if there's people out there with a good sense of humor, like what would be an interesting nonprofit reality show? And who knows, you guys, we may land on something that we could pitch. There are a lot of streaming services out there. So this may start the ball rolling on what could eventually be, Matt, our way out. Like we could become super rich based on like producing a new TV show. So maybe I can buy a house next door to yours in Lake Arrowhead. I mean, let's start small. Let's keep our dreams manageable first, but maybe. Maybe. All right. All right. So that's what we're going to put out there. So Today's episode, I'm very excited about. It's with my friend Jaime Zavala, who is the executive director of Artworks, such a great, phenomenal organization here in LA. And if anybody remembers uh, our season three interview with Shelby, Shelby left Artworks to become the CEO of Inner City Arts, and Jaime came in after her, and it's just kicking butt. So anything we want to add, Ashley, before we go into our episode with Jaime. I think you said it all. We'll let our listener listen to this episode with Jaime Zavala. Hello, my friend. How are you this afternoon? I am good. Happy to have some Sauvignon Blanc in my hand. Yes, that's what I was going to say. What are you drinking tonight? But you've already started. I want everybody to know who's listening that, first of all, Jaime has never listened to one of these shows. So, uh, <laughs> Sorry. So he doesn't know what he's in store for. And by the way, he already had a glass of wine ready. I didn't even tell him it was a show about booze. So we know what you're doing at 4 p.m. on a Tuesday. That's all I can say to you. It was on the calendar. That's all I'll say. (laughs) Anyway, cheers to you. It has been a week. Cheers, my friend. Mm -hmm. So COVID has finally hit my office. And we have a few staff that are out. And that's not awesome because it's a very busy week for us. And I don't love it. How is your week going so far? We have two COVID cases in my office. Yeah. So, but I'm used to it. I'm like, okay. I mean, not to make light of COVID, but we have protocols. We have all kinds of stuff in place and people know what to do. I'm curious. Are you guys, like, are you back in the office? Technically, we're asking staff to be with us two days a week in person really it's more like one day a week because we're just realizing as long as people get their job done i honestly really don't care where they're working from so i'm gonna say that you're a much better person than i am or my partner allison is because like we opened up the office last july and we were like all of you better come back and not only that but it's five days a week yo so i am very impressed with everybody who allows the hybrid schedule but like we're old school we can't do that so if you guys anybody out there wants to work for envision just know that we are a bunch of (laughs) control freaks control control freaks like gen xers who don't know anything about wanting to not work in the office yeah we're we're those people but you're working from home well, today I'm working from home because okay. I am completely... Hypocrite. Uh, thank you. 
Thank you. So that's all. I'm just a hypocrite. So thank you. I appreciate it. You're welcome. And so because of that, this week has, because my office, half of my staff have COVID, my workload sucks. So I'm so happy to be having this cocktail with you and to also chat with you because I adore you. And my hope is that the, you know, one or two listeners that we have out there also learn about you and adore you. So thank you. Thank you, you Matt. Well, I'll be, can I adore myself after I listen to myself? (laughs) (laughs) So you'll have three listeners. Uh, Well, I want to say just for the record that we are actually truly in the top 50 nonprofit podcasts in the country, which is great. And we're also in Canada and we're in Australia and there are some other places like England. So like people do listen to this show. So hopefully we can get some folks to pay attention to you and to artworks and all of those good things. We'll get there. So first of all, you know, while we're on this conversation, you and I know each other because I tried to put you up for a job and thankfully you landed where you are, which is where you fully belong to be and meant to be. Mm-hmm. But I wanted you to kind of just really quickly chat with some of our listeners. You were a groomsman, not the groom, and now you are. And I think a lot of people, you know, if you make it like runner up a few times in a row or you make it runner up once, it's hard. It's, job searching sucks. Job interviewing sucks. And I do it every day. I know. So what do you tell folks? How do you tell people to just keep motivated? You're going to get there. Yeah. I think, first of all, you got to believe in what you bring to the table, regardless of what that potential employer says to you or doesn't say to you. And recognize you are where you're at because you bring something to the table. There's somebody sees that or not, or sees that you're a good fit for them or not doesn't really change that. I think the second thing is kind of similar is just having resilience. And I think that's something that I have my parents to thank for, to be honest with you. They're from Mexico. I'm a first generation college graduate and I saw them work their butts off and so many challenges, so many setbacks, but they never allowed any of that to get in their way. And then I think the third thing is just trusting in the process, trusting that folks like you that are involved in the search process know what's best for an organization. I'll never forget one of the opportunities that didn't happen in a search that you were helping a nonprofit with. And we got like super like towards the end, right? And then it just didn't materialize. And you just said something to me that was really, really valuable. And it's like, you know what? It wasn't meant to be. And as disappointed as you are, and I'm disappointed with you, just thank the universe that it didn't happen. And and I'm thankful for that because I am in the right place now. And I love what I do. And I love my staff. And the board is great. Everything about it just fits. And so just never losing sight of the fact that you're going to end up in the right place at the right time. And I'm at today. And there were so many opportunities that came along my way, too, that I actually turned down just partly because of some things were just not right. I want to just point something out, which what you did was you gave me a compliment, which I appreciated. And I know it sounds so hokey, but I do believe it, that things really do work out for a reason, especially in job search. And if you don't get a job somewhere that you think you are the perfect fit for, it is exactly what you want. Don't give up. You will find the right job. 
I know which job you were up for that you were number two. And I am so happy that you got to get to Artworks. I wanted to ask you a question about Artworks and about this job because you didn't have the arts background. And mm -hmm. I think boards really think that what they do at their organization is so unique. And that if you don't come from that world and you don't have that background and you don't have a degree, you can't do it. And I disagree. So I would love for you to explain, like you came to this table with a, with a fresh set of eyes, you're not from the art world. How did that manifest itself in terms of all the great things that you've done? First of all, I'll say that the previous job that I had, I was also not from that sector time that I've done it. And I was successful in that previous sector. So I wasn't afraid of <laughs> like throwing myself in there. And I think I communicated a sense of confidence, right? That I believe won them over in some sense, because I got the job. So I think number one, previous experience and having proof like, hey, child welfare industry, I had never been in that world before. That is one of the toughest industries to be in. I get um, it. And I was able to go in there and learn the language, learn all the like acronyms. Good Lord. When you weren't in the nonprofit world, there are so many acronyms. It's crazy. Learn all the politics. And so I come into Artworks LA and I've been able to do that. When you were in front of like a major donor and you don't come from that arts background, right? How are you able to kind of convince them to still give to the organization when they hired somebody who doesn't have the arts background? I always talk about, I would not be here today if it wasn't for the arts. I think it was the arts who helped me gain a sense of confidence, a sense of self, helped me grow my self-esteem, helping so much of who I am today is because of the arts. And I'm just one little example. So think of all the other students who you're getting to help today, kids who need a voice and find their voice through the programs that we serve. What were the arts specifically that you did that impacted you that way? I was in show choir. Were you? <laughs> and if you can't see me, I'm doing jazz hands. To Matt. <laughs> you are. You are doing jazz hands. I appreciate that. But you were in show choir. So like, okay, I have a lot of questions to follow up on that. But I've done a few interviews with folks in the arts and I love it because I don't think people out there understand truly what the arts do and how they impact kids, right? And they do. So, you know, you said that the arts really pushed you and got you really who you are so that you were able to go to college and get your master's. I am curious if you could maybe give a quick pitch, a quick shout out to the arts and how it can get kids to college. Absolutely. So there's this concept called social emotional learning. I've learned that at Artworks LA. <laughs> Thank you very much. But it really gives kids a platform to engage in self-discovery, self-awareness, self-advocacy, learning how to communicate, learning how to engage and interact with other folks. You know, I believe that I'm one of those folks who has raw leadership skills. Those were shaped and formed in the context of musical theater and by teachers and choreographers. So all of that really gave me a sense of self and allowed me to recognize like I have something to offer this world. I have a voice that needs to be heard. All that scientific research and data that shows that the arts from a very early age helps in brain development and a bunch of other things. So 
it's imperative. And that's why you're going to see it on the ballots, hopefully in November, making sure that the arts are available to all students, especially from under-resourced communities. So if, if you didn't have the arts, if you didn't have that show choir, if you didn't have that, those programs, do you think that you would have ended up going to college? My guess is that I probably would have found myself being lost for a while. And then I might have ended up going to community college and maybe wrapping up my mental a much, much later time. And it's sad because I hear stories of kids who we serve who all they're being told is like, you're not going to amount to much. You know, you might as well just get a job at XYC place. Like, and again, I don't want to minimize like work is work, but so many of our kids have, they're so capable and all they need is somebody to say, Hey, I believe in you. You have something that the world needs to, to, to receive from you as a gift. It's really amazing to me just how much teachers make an impact on our lives. And, and it's, it takes like one teacher and it's just amazing to me how, you know, we all, look, we all have that teacher. Mine was Mrs. Lipnick in the fifth grade. And I was the laziest, like, I didn't want to do anything. I would have like failed out of school. And she pulled me aside and she was like, Hey, like, you got to get your shit together, dude. And I did. And it's really all because of her. And so, you know, it is really amazing. And I bet you everybody who's listening to this show right now can in their brain this minute, think of the name of that teacher that impacted their lives, right? We all have that. And I think that's so easy. So, so I want to talk about college for one second. And then I want to talk about artworks because I feel like I haven't had a chance. I haven't given you the chance to talk about artworks. Do you think that it is vital to get a college degree? Nope. (laughs) <laughs> I, and this is coming from someone who has a master's in higher education administration and I do not believe it's necessary I do have to say I think I still have a ways to go of not scrolling to the very end of somebody's resume to see what their degree is in or where they graduated from I'm a little bit of a snob I think I can thank UCLA for that <laughs> and some of the most amazing people I've met, some of the hardest working people that I met, some of the most experienced folks with expertise are folks who have a high school diploma. And now that I work in the world of alternative high school education, some of these students, they'll never get to college and thank God that they never will because it's a waste of time and money. They need to go fine tune a a trade or a skill that no one's going to be wondering, what is your degree in? Who cares? I'm also learning about the world of what's called career technical education and these certificate programs that are out there. And I think higher education is changing. I know some folks in the world of higher education, they're scared and they should be because I think higher education is kind of going through a revolution and a renaissance right now. Like, what does the future look like? It's too expensive to go to college. And for what? So I can go have a bunch of debt and work a $40,000 a year job and not afford anything and go back and live in my parents' house. Like this is not what it was meant for. I think college and university training provides you with a lot of skills that are great and you can learn them somewhere else as well. I think that we've got to start kind of changing our mentality as to whether or not a college degree is really that beneficial. Thank you. I really appreciate that answer because we fight 
always with boards also about a degree. I think if you are privileged enough to go to college and to go to graduate school, you are very lucky. But in the nonprofit space, forget about for-profit. In the nonprofit space, if we force our leaders to have degrees before we hire them, think about how many people are not being hired. And I, when I am always having this conversation, I don't think people who are making those decisions in terms of who they're hiring for executive director, I don't think they realize just how lucky they were to go to college because there are so many people who aren't. And so I appreciate that answer. I'll tell you what I got out of college. I went to UCLA also. That's why I like you. And I, I came out. Like I came out in college. So that's what I got in college. I, school was fine. I got my degree. All right, whatever. But I mean, that's when I found out I like boys. So you just made me put on my pride bracelet. <laughs> First of all, so I want to talk a little bit about you and your coming out story because it took you about a hundred years. So you are a dad. You got married to a lady. You had kids and then you came out. And, yeah. you know, I think it's a really cool story and I appreciate that you want to share it with us. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of people that are, there's a lot of people who are in marriages who are closeted and who are mm -hmm. not out and will never come out. And then there are people like you who were in a heterosexual marriage and then came out. So I'd love to know, like, okay, if there's somebody listening to this show right now who's stuck in a marriage, they are not being honest with themselves. What do you tell that person? I think you deserve to live your most authentic life. And I think the second people who deserve for you to live your most authentic life are your children. Because if I were to be honest with myself, I was not showing up 100% as a dad to my kids because I wasn't showing up 100% to myself. And never mind, you know, all of the mental health challenges that someone who's closeted faces. I mean, there's so many statistics out there about, you know, suicidal ideation and just mental health challenges that someone who's from the LGBTQ community faces already now on top of that, hiding that or not coming to terms with it. I'm a much happier person today than I ever was. And don't get me wrong. There's some days when I still have waterworks moments of sadness of not having what I did have. And also the privilege that came from being quote unquote straight and now no longer being a part of that quote unquote straight community. But I think it's given me a sense of like, not only gratitude and also resolve. That's the reason I share my story. It's not because I want to air my dirty laundry. It's because I want people to know like Yes, it is challenging. It could feel like the most insurmountable mountain you could ever climb. But trust me, you will be thankful. And on the other side of it, it's not just, you know, unicorns and rainbows, no pun intended. <laughs> and it is a beautiful, beautiful, painful and joyful journey. And, and, you know, my story still continues. And there are still people in my life who don't, aren't supportive of me, one of my kids included. But you know what? that's their problem. It's not mine. And, and I think it kind of even helps me in the world of work of being an advocate for LGBTQ folks and students who we work with. And I make it a point to, to talk about it because I think it's some, especially in, you know, in the Latinx community and in communities of color, 
you know, of demystifying or whatever, whatever people may think about the LGBTQ plus community. Like we are here, we contribute to the community. We are a vital part of the community and you really can't get rid of us. We've already been here, whether you know it or not. <laughs> and I'm, I'm proud. I'm proud to be a part of this community. First of all, I am really sorry that one of your kids is not cool, but I think, you know, that will change with age. That oh, change. she's honey. She's in musical theater. I'm like, girl. <laughs> Some of your classmates are gay. Okay, <laughs> they ain't out yet. It's okay. They're they're kids. I'm not gonna worry about it. Also, so. also, by the way, I was gonna say you were in musical theater. If people didn't know that you were a homo, then like, <laughs> I'm sorry. And if you didn't know, then I'm sorry. I, you know, it's actually really interesting. I think that we don't realize still that it isn't that easy to come out, right? Like, you know, we're here, I, I'm in LA, you're in LA, and you and I had a very different upbringing. We had a very different coming out story. And I'm not so sure, I'm just not so sure that people realize that even though we're in 2022 at this point, that it's not that easy. So Absolutely. if you are talking to a kid who is like you, who is struggling to come out, what do you tell that kid? Hmm. My hope for you is that you find an ally, somebody who's going to be in your corner, who just loves you for who you are. And, and trust me, there are so many more allies out there. Like some of them are, are pretty vocal about it. Some of them are not. Is that you, you find an ally, you realize you have something to offer this world and nothing wrong with you. You are perfect just as you are. And your story with a trusted, safe person, and you will be less and less lonely as you kind of walk along this journey and you find folks that love and accept you for who you are. And thankfully, like now, like even with the internet, like you can find allies through organizations like the Trevor Project and other LGBT centers in whatever community you're in who can be a sounding board and a resource. It is really important to find that ally. The first moment when I realized truly how lucky I am for the world that I came out in, because I really am. I mean, I never really had any issues. My family accepted me. You know, I was fine. I volunteered at the, what well, at the time was the Gay and Lesbian Center in West Hollywood. And we were on weekends, we would go to the parks and we would talk to kids who were prostitutes, right? Who were selling themselves on the street. And I remember like my very first day, and mind you, I'm 19, I had just come out, you know, I'm at the Gay and Lesbian Center, like, you know, I'm just trying to give back. And, and I met this kid who was my age, who had come out, I don't know, he's from the Midwest somewhere. I think like, if I remember correctly, it was like Indiana. And he came out and his family kicked him out. And so he moved to LA because of course, why wouldn't you? And he <laughs> didn't make it here. And he found some really bad characters and became a prostitute and a drug addict. And when I met him, he was dying of AIDS because you know he was on the streets and he was selling himself. And that's unfortunately what happened. But I remember looking at him and I can still see his face. And I remember just realizing like, oh my God, that could have been me, right? Mm -hmm. And, and at, at any moment, that could have been me. And, and I ask this question in interviews all the time. And the question is, would you rather be lucky or would you rather be skillful? And my answer all day long, every single day 
is that I would rather be lucky because I can have the skill, sure, and I could be phenomenal at what I do and all of that. But if I had been that kid, uh, not so lucky. Wow. Let's see. Yeah. So I brought us down, Jaime. Now we're going to bring us right back up again. I need a drink. <laughs> I know, right? So look at that. No, I'm kidding. Like, like, you know, you came out, you have two kids. You wouldn't have had them had you been, you know, had you, had you not stayed in the closet. And mm-hmm. so that's, they're lucky. Think about how lucky they are that you chose that, right? That you made that decision. And I, so, and I, tell, I tell my child who's not super, that's not affirming, like, you are lucky to have a gay dad. Let me just tell you that. <laughs> she just laughs. So first of all, I want to talk about artworks in one second. But before yeah. we do, before we do, you are single, correct? Mm-hmm. Last time I checked. And I want to find you a boyfriend. <gasps> Yay! So, uh, so for our listeners out there, and I guarantee you right now, we've got listeners who are, who are matchmakers. Tell us, like, if you were looking and you were at your, like, this is my ideal husband. Who is he? And let's find him. He has a college degree. (laughs) (laughs) No, he has, he has an established career. I think I'm a person that is very much mission motivated just in life. And so somebody who's like motivated by they're altruistic, you know, somebody who loves the outdoors camping. I'm a part of a gay camping and outdoor adventures group. I do dodgeball in WeHo. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I need, to, I, need to, uh, I need to interrupt you for one second you are a it's a gay camping and outdoor group yeah it's called california gay adventures do okay i didn't know there was such a, if anybody's out there who's interested in in gay camping i means your guy all right so potentially somebody who's an outdoors guy outdoorsy loves you know i'm kind of my friends tease me because they're like you're very bro-y so like I love UCLA football. I'm a big Dodger fan. You know, I've put on the COVID 20, but I love running. I love doing Spartan race and tough mutter and all of that. So just somebody who I could and somebody who's gonna love my kids. All right. You know, if you can be in your early to mid 40s, that'd be kind of fun. And just you love and oh man, if you speak Spanish or are willing to speak Spanish, my parents would love you. Okay. So, so we're gonna we're gonna find you somebody who hopefully speaks Spanish and is that outdoors rugged kind of dodgeball guy who, by the way, enjoys watching like UCLA win at football. Let's put that out there. Yeah. And uh, cool. Dodger baseball. I'm in. We're gonna find you that guy. Anybody who's listening, if you are that guy, then DM me and we'll make that happen. All right. So let's talk about Artworks for a moment. So you are the executive director of an organization called Artworks. It is here in LA. You are not from the arts world. They took a chance on you. It is a phenomenal organization that you are kicking ass in. Can you tell us what Artworks does? Yeah. So Artworks LA has been around for over 30 years, and we predominantly serve students who are in alternative high schools. And that's just a fancy way of saying continuation high schools. And if you still don't know what that is, You know, the kid who got kicked out of high school because they got pregnant or they were missing too much school or they got super far behind in school credits. Then they went to that little school in the bungalow on the corner of the campus. That's who we serve. So most of our students are what we would call at-risk youth. Um, A new term that we use is opportunity youth. And we focus our attention predominantly on black and brown students. So 95 to 99% of our students are black or brown. 
They also go to what we would consider Title I schools, which basically means they come from pretty financially challenged communities. So we provide arts education programs. We go in there one day a week with two staff members and we provide two-hour workshop over the entire school year. And then at the end of the, every semester, we do what's, what's called a public presentation, which is basically like a exhibit showcasing all of the work that our students have done. And we're very, very intentional about what we do in that we identify a cultural partner every year. This year, we worked with Metro LA, which is the public transportation system here in greater LA. And people would be like, what in the world? They're not an art, edu- or art institution. They have the largest budget for public art funding in the state, if not one of them in the nation. Wait, I need to back up for one second. Yes. The organization here in LA that is in charge of our buses and our subway has the largest art budget in the state? Public art, yes. So when you go to any metro station, light rail or subway, you're going to find public art. If you're going down the Hollywood and Vine metro station, that's right by the W, all your, your, whether you see it or not, that is public art all over the place. So that was one of our partners. And then also the Academy Museum of Motion Pictures on Wilshire that just opened up. That's our other partner. So what we do with that is that let's just use Metro as an example. We talked about the importance of public transportation, the importance of public art, and that public art is for everybody that public art should reflect the community that it is in. And so if you go to certain metro stations, it's going to reflect that that neighboring community there. And then art that it advocates that it's used for politics. Shepard Ferry, who's one of the most well-known artists in LA, is one of our donors and gives to Artworks LA. And I mean, he's the guy who created that hope poster of Barack Obama that's now become this infamous you know piece of art so recognizing that the arts can make a huge difference in so many different areas and teaching students that and then beyond that we do after school residencies for students we have summer internship programs with schools like UCLA, USC, Otis College of Arts and Design, Art Center in Pasadena, Cal Arts out in Valencia, some of the largest art institutions in Southern California take our students for summer internship programs. And then our last area of work is working with alumni and also doing kind of year-long internships, job shadowing, all of that. So wrapping all that around in recognizing that this is for students who are kind of in the last chance of their high school career. Beyond that, it's they just drop out and never go back to school. And you'd be shocked that in these schools, there's very little to no arts education programming. And so we're the ones who provide that for our kids. The last thing that I'll say is that we provide this very same type of arts education for incarcerated youth at the juvenile halls and camps that are run by the LA County Department of Probation. So those are the most vulnerable youth who we serve and who come from very, very challenging stories. And even if it's for two hours a week, we just offer them a little glimmer of hope and remind them that they have something to offer this world. So kind of my mantra at Artworks LA has been that every human being has a purpose, calling, and destiny on their lives, and that our job at Artworks is to help students discover it or rediscover it and take ownership of it and then really give to the world what they were meant to give. 
I love the, the unifying of my passion for the arts, my passion for at-risk youth, and also working with Black and brown communities. People even just listening to this, not looking at you like I am, I can feel your excitement and your desire to make this organization better and the kids that you serve. And that is so cool. So tell our listener that's left uh, why they should give to Artworks LA. I mean, here's the reality. There's so many organizations you can give to that are doing great work. This is one of those organizations where your dollar is going to go really far. I'm big on return on investment. And I'm telling you right now that without your support, these students will not see arts education happen on their campus. And I'll just tell you the story of one student. Her name's Jasmine. She's actually one of our board members on Artworks LA's board. But Jasmine was at a continuation high school in the San Fernando Valley. And she went there because she fell behind on her credits because she had an undiagnosed learning disability and no one even took the time to address it. She finds Artworks LA and it's really what inspired her to graduate from high school. Last weekend, she graduated with a bachelor's degree in sociology from Cal State Northridge. And her plan is to go to graduate school and get a master's of education in school counseling so that she could go help students like her who didn't get counseling services. So it's people like Jasmine that really, that's who you're investing in. And one thing that I love about the work that we do with our students is that they give back to the community. So it's not just here, gimme, 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 but they give back. And that's invaluable what these kids get and the trajectory that they find themselves in once they encounter Artworks LA. That's why I can feel your excitement right there because of how amazing your organization is. And, you know, we have a lot of people who listen to this show who are executive directors or want to be executive directors or dream about being executive directors or all of that. So put Artworks LA aside for a minute. Tell Mm -hmm. me what is your, like, number one favorite thing that you have as an ED? The freedom to dream big dreams. (laughs) Okay. No, I think dreaming dreams for the organization. Like this afternoon, I jumped on our call, Matt. I was on the phone with a consulting firm who has been working with Artworks LA for a little bit. And we were just talking about the future of Artworks. And and it was awesome to think about where we can head. And I love that. I'm big on growth. I'm big on like numbers and data and metrics. Not that I like to put it together, but I like looking at it and then making decisions based on it. But just the ability to be able to do that and positively impact other people, that's huge to me. Like that is the biggest gift in the world. That's amazing. And I I agree. That is the one thing that I miss about running a nonprofit is the you're right. You get to dream big for the population that you serve, right? So mm-hmm. what what keeps you up at night? Oh, making sure we we make the bottom line at the end of the fiscal year. I think almost every ED or CEO would, that would be their answer. And we have a great fundraising team and it's like, you can do everything in your power and you know how to do right and best practices and all of that. But at the end of the day, it's up to the donor to make that gift or it's up to that foundation to award you that grant. So the best part is you get to dream big. The worst part is that 
you got to bring in the bucks. And in order to dream big, you have to bring in additional bucks. So, you know, what's really funny is that when we place people, you know, there's that negotiation part at the beginning, which is, hey, I want to make, you know, $300,000 a year. And the nonprofit's like, we're going to pay you 200. And the person's like, no, I want to make 300. And what I always tell them whenever they negotiate is that's cool. You can, you can negotiate as high as you want to go. But like, if you don't get to pay yourself and <laughs> I think, you know, that's the thing, like, again. Okay, Matt, sorry, producer here. I'm going to stop you right there for just a second, because it sounds like you're heading into a Matt's plane. So I'm going to go ahead and cue that music. You can ask the board for all the money in the world, but if you can't pay yourself, you don't get paid. And so I think that's the one thing that I think folks don't seem to realize. And look, when I ran... All the nonprofits that I ran, actually, there were times that I couldn't actually pay myself because there was no money in the bank. So really important for people to know that. Thank you, Matt, for that helpful information regarding salary negotiations. And now back to your interview with Jaime Zavala of Artworks LA. Now, in terms of anything that you've done in your professional life, can you give me an example of one of the things that just popped into your brain that you were most proud of that you did? It happened eight months ago. <laughs> I was a brand new ED at our works and there was a foundation who reached out to us and said, Hey, we want to get to know you. We heard that you're the new ED at our works and we'd love to hear your vision. So I, you know, I gave her my spiel. I talked a little bit about my vision for the organization and it was an hour call and it was about to round out at the hour. And I just said, Hey, I want to be mindful of your time. And we only have a few minutes left. Are there any other questions that you have? And she said, well, actually I have a little bit more time. Do you? And I said, sure. Yeah, absolutely. So she said, you know, during this whole conversation, I've actually been interviewing you and I love what you have to say about the organization. I've already done my homework about artworks. I know they're a great organization, but I love what you're talking about. And we want to offer you a two-year grant of $675,000. <laughs> it's like, what? I, <laughs> and I was like, are you kidding me? And she said, no. And, you know, number one, kudos to my two predecessors who ran the organization for years Kudos to our staff who really are the ones who make us look good because they are the ones who deliver to the community. I think what I recognize is my ability to communicate vision and mission and, and my excitement and my own belief that I can take this organization to that next level and now communicating that to folks and people like this person who had the the ability to make a gift of that size. So that was huge. And it changed the trajectory of our organization this year and it will next year. And it's helping us to kind of give us a good safety net and a good foundation to grow the organization over the next several years. Congratulations. That's a huge deal. That's awesome. I feel like we've learned something. Are you tell me if I've missed anything? And then, you know, the first is totally fine to hire somebody who doesn't have that background of your nonprofit. Absolutely. Number two, that Jaime needs a boyfriend. Very true. Number three, <laughs> that LA is in such a phenomenal place 
a lot because of its predecessors, and I know those predecessors personally, but also because you're kicking ass and your staff is spectacular and your board is wonderful. So there's that. And the fourth thing is, if you want to be an executive director, you for sure need to fight for it, but don't give up because when that right opportunity is there, that right opportunity is there. And, you know, that is, that is really important. So is there anything else that you want to share? Anything else that you think folks out there might want to know? Always engage people with a sense of grace and of kindness and of humility, because how you engage other people and how you respond, people are not going to forget that. Yeah, it is really important. Okay, well, thank you. On that note, I toast you for being such an incredible leader. And thank you for making us look good. And cheers to you, my friend. You, Matt. Hmm. Thank you, Amy. Hey, Ashley. Hey, Matt. So what did you think of our episode with my friend, Jaime? Jaime is really kicking butt over there at Artworks. And I think that that program is an awesome way to use creativity to try to combat the high school dropout epidemic. Yeah, and also what they're doing with LA's Metro. That's cool. Seriously, and I have to say, one of my favorite things that came as a result of this job was when I heard that in the interview, when he talked about the partnership with Metro LA, I went on the internet, or is it the ethernet? We, we didn't really quite sort out that, but um, I was looking up all the artwork and I didn't even scratch the surface because there are so many stations and there's so much artwork that's prolific that's out there, but it is such a super cool thing that LA does having all that public art surrounding the Metro stations. Yeah, I know. So, so cool. See, hashtag learning, hashtag nonprofit on the rocks. The more you know, shooting star. I'm telling you, Ashley, if nothing else, that one person out there who's listening to us, they are very well educated. We should have a quiz at some point that sort of asks questions from different episodes and see if anyone can do well on it. And then we should have a prize. I have an idea. What if we actually did a live podcast and are you ready? What if we opened up the lines for people to call in? Okay. I'm so glad I'm sitting down for that suggestion. That's amazing, Matt. That is a stroke of genius. Do we know how to do the technology? I don't know how people call into to anything to do with Zoom. Is That's that true? We have to dig into this. Mm-hmm. But I love this idea because I think that the Matt Splains portion where our listeners ask questions or where you delve into something using your expertise is a really cool and valuable part of our show. So allowing our listeners to engage with you and a guest, maybe super cool. My only concern, Ashley, is you are the editor and you know that every once in a while I can be inappropriate. Hmm. Well, we may need like a 30 second delay. Hmm. I don't know, Ashley. I'm, I'm a little nervous, but I think we should do it. It's a great idea. We can talk about whether or not we want to have the E rating on there mm. for explicit content. Mm. Listen, I'm going to just keep being me and you're going to keep being you. And that's all we're going to do. We're not about censorship, Matt. That's mm-hmm. really what it is. Mm-hmm. 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 
All right, and our next episode you're very excited about because it's one of your besties. I love Bobby Abram. She's just awesome. She is currently the president of the Pasadena City College Foundation. And she's just a champion of philanthropy and has been for her whole career. And Matt, she spent 30 years living in my hometown, Kansas City. Yeah, she did. And she and I did not start off very well. So she's going to talk about why she hated me when she first met me, which is fantastic. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I think that could open up the doors for so many people who are feeling so similarly. They will be like, I'm not alone. I'm so seen. Oh, that's not very nice, but true, true. (laughs) true. Matt, I did not feel that way, if it's any consequence. And I'm not just saying this because you pay me. (laughs) I have always liked you from the jump. Well, thank you, Ashley. Thank you for making this show so much fun. And is there anything else we want to leave with our listeners before we let them go? Just the usual. We want everyone to please follow us on the social media platforms and find us wherever you get your podcasts and be sure to like us.